welcome to episode six of the Foundations of Sports podcast, where we present the people who make a difference on and off the field and those who lead by their actions. I'm your host, Chris Horrigan, and thank you for joining us. Today, we have Ed Hearn, catcher on the 1986 Mets World Series champion team, author, speaker, and founder of the Bottom of the Ninth Foundation. His book titled Conquering Life's Curves, Baseball, Battles, and Beyond is truly reflective of what Ed has been through on and off the field. Ed speaks about his eight and a half year journey to make it from the minor leagues to the majors, but far more challenging was his three kidney transplant and numerous health issues. Ed talks about the importance of family and having perspective and perseverance through it all. He created the Bottom of the Ninth Foundation, which helps build character and spirit through four areas, which helps people and families of all ages. And just like every manager submits a lineup card to the umpire before each game, the Bottom of the Ninth Foundation has their own unique lineup card that is representative of their mission. Ed was part of a recently released book titled Champions, 15 Inspiring Comeback Stories from Sports and Life, written by George Castle and John Sneck, where he talks about thinking outside of self to be a better teammate. How did being a catcher help Ed throughout his life? And what was his journey like with the 1986 Mets and the impact of teammate Gary Carter? And how did an invite from a friend who played for the Kansas City Chiefs to fill in as a speaker at a local Rotary Club event lead to him receiving one of the highest recognitions that a speaker can receive? And who would Ed's captains be on his expansion team? Enjoy the episode with Ed Hearn. We welcome Ed Hearn to Foundations of Sports. Ed, thank you for coming on the show today. Hey, it's a privilege, Chris. Thanks for having me. Your book is titled Conquering Life's Curves, Baseball, Battles, and Beyond. Tell us how this title is reflective of your life on and off the baseball field. Well, it's <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, you know, somebody read my book and heard me speak, and they said, I think you should have been, you should, your title should have been from the penthouse to the outhouse and back. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, certainly my life is, has been really to the penthouse and to the outhouse and back. And I've and conquering life's curves is, is uh, you know, I've seen my share of curveballs in life and, uh, uh, that's, that's the first half of the title conquering life's curves. Not, not that I, you know, after, after I did the book and everything, I got to thinking about, do you ever really conquer life's curves? You know, uh, but, uh, that's what I came up with. And, uh, but the baseball battles and beyond, I think is as much important as the first part of the title. Cause the book is about has some baseball in it. And because that's my story, the battles, of course, that's the curves and the beyond is, is the most important part of the whole title, I believe, because it takes the readers beyond the baseball and beyond the battles, how you overcome those things and, and to become the person that, that all that made me, uh, developed in me, the, the foundation to be who I am today. Absolutely. And you, you kind of break it down into three parts, you know, baseball battles and beyond. And I, I kind of want to start with the battles part. And you had your battles uh, as a player with with some injuries. And then certainly after your playing career, can you tell us or your audience just about how that adversity uh, made you a stronger person? Yeah, well, the, uh, I think the audience, your audience would like to know a little bit of the, the battles themselves. Like, uh, for example, 
Uh, I signed out of high school as a fourth round pick by the Phillies. And after my first minor league year, where I was co-MVP with Ryan Sandberg, future Hall of Famer, uh, I, I missed, missed two years of, of playing because of injuries. Uh, and then after that, you know, I was no longer a prospect. I was what they call in baseball a suspect. Mm-hmm. And I really had to kind of earn my way back and really battle to and hang in there to get to the big leagues ultimately uh, eight and a half years later. So, uh, you know, that, that was uh, in large part a, a really big battle. But then again, staying in the big leagues is a, is a, is a whole other battle. And I, again, I ran into injuries and missed a year and a half and I battled like heck to come back, but it, you know, it just wasn't, wasn't to be at that level of special sports. You know, it only takes a small smidget of um, loss of ability to, to, to knock you out of the game. But uh, you know, all that has, is, uh, has taught me a lot about life. I think baseball is a tremendous metaphor for life. Uh, there's a lot of failure in life. Uh, life is not easy. And I, I think uh, in our culture today, I think it's getting harder and harder because of the constant uh, rapid change that we're all facing. Um, I tell people, if you haven't faced any curveballs, you must be playing T-ball. This game called Life Today is... is uh, is uh, it's just very challenging. Uh, someone once told me that um, you know when you face when you talk to people, friends if they're facing challenges, ninety percent of the time they are. And uh, when you stop and think about that, uh, that's I believe that's right because uh, there is so much going on in people's lives today that um, you, you know you really got to battle of battle life's curves and my of. Uh, out of all the adversity and challenges that I face, uh, I've come up with a life motto, keep swinging. You just got to keep swinging. And I sign my autograph if I have time to, I sign it, keep swinging for life fences regardless of the curves. Or if I don't have much time, it's keep swinging, it hurt. Just a reminder to people that, that perseverance is so important. I think that's one of my, my top five words that matter in life is perseverance. You talk about perseverance and it's, it's so important and you battled from the Phillies organization to then get picked up with the Mets. And you talk about, you know, fighting adversity and we talk about curveballs, or it could be a Mike Scott, uh, split finger. You never know. Um, exactly. but you got, uh, invited to the, uh, big league camp in 86 and tell us a little bit about your journey with the 1986 Mets in that season. Uh, well, that was a pretty fabulous year because that was my first year in the big leagues. And uh, to, to couple that with the fact that we were, we were world champions that year was uh, the best of both worlds and, and just almost surreal. Um, I had been in spring training with the, with the Mets in 84, 85, 86. And uh, you could see the talent that they had there. It was just unbelievable. And I was just... Uh, just humbled to be a part of that team. I backed up Hall of Fame catcher Gary Carter that year. And so that meant that I didn't get to play a whole lot. But when I did, I, I felt like it contributed contributed uh, quite well to, to the success of the team. 
Absolutely. And that season obviously was, uh, was the culmination of, of a great team. And uh, after that, you had gotten traded to the Kansas City Royals. And you talked about battles and that title. And, and then some of those injuries and those battles started to come up uh, when you got sent to Kansas City. Tell the audience a little bit about uh, what occurred out there. Well, I, after that fun year in 1986 in New York, uh, late in the spring training of the following year, uh, the Kansas City Royals were looking for a young starting catcher to, to be with their the young pitching staff had just won the World Series a year and a half before in 85. And uh, they had been after me all winter. And finally, the Mets gave me up in a trade. And so I was going to Kansas City to be the starting catcher. And that's that's really what, uh, you know, besides winning the World Series, being an everyday starting player is what you play play the game for. And uh, so I was excited about that. I was, I was also a little bit torn. It's kind of a double-edged sword because I – I really felt like the Mets had a chance to win maybe three or four championships over the next five years because of the talent level. Uh, but, but on the other side of the coin, I was getting a chance to have my own starting job with and my own pitching staff. It was was outstanding pitching staff. So I was, I was just really ready to go. And then all of a sudden, two weeks into the season, I blew my shoulder out and uh, ended, ended up needing total reconstructive surgery. And that was a two-year battle to come back from that. And I, I was able to play again, but just not quite at the, the level with the arm. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of pressure on the catcher's shoulder when they got to throw very quick, sometimes off balance to second base, third base, when runners are stealing. So that, that shoulder injury uh, ended my playing career. But then after I had made the transition into the real world, real world I, uh, I tell people that I went to pursue my second biggest dream as a child. I went into the insurance business. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, during training for that, that new career, uh, I just was feeling really terrible. And uh, actually dozing off in class, and there was only five of us in class, so it was pretty obvious. <laughs> Here's Ed dozing off. You know, he's a former big league ball player, and he's, he's not even interested enough to stay awake. Yeah. It really had nothing to do with that. It was the physical ailments that I was going to be, to be diagnosed with shortly thereafter. Uh, I was diagnosed with three pretty serious health issues and, uh, ended up uh, on dialysis and had my first of three kidney transplants less than a year and a half after I was off the baseball field. Certainly we talk about perspective and, you go from a shoulder injury to something that, that is tough to deal with, obviously, than the end of your career. And then now you're facing a much tougher task. And something that you speak about during your presentations is the importance of your family during your entire journey, about how they helped you uh, through the tough times and everything else. Can you tell our audience a little bit about what family means to you and how they help you and continue to help you to this day? Sure. I think family is the ultimate teamwork. And um, it's, it all started with my parents, my mom and dad, uh, just did an outstanding job with us three kids, uh, helping to guide us toward building a solid foundation for life. Uh, I can't say that it was always fun. And sometimes felt like unfair. And everybody else doesn't have to do this or that. But uh, my parents uh, stuck to the task of building that, that foundation within each of us kids. And that paid off 
immensely as I began to face the challenges. You know, you're not really, you know, you're, 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 when you face challenges, that's when the weaknesses show up. If you're not grounded with a solid foundation, if your house is not built on rock, when, when the winds of life come, uh, that's when you, you fall easily. And so I, I faced a lot of stuff in my life. It's all a matter of perspective. People have faced a whole lot more than I have. Um, but the foundation that my parents helped me build was just extremely important and continues to be important to this day. Uh, my family at age 27 turned into, became that of me and my wife. My wife, Trisha, has been an absolute rock. Uh, she kissed the prince and got the frog. Okay. Uh, she, young lady from, from New York, and we met late in the season in 1986 when I was on that World Series team. And, uh, you know, we were married a year later. And uh, I, I'm sure I, I'm, you have to think, wow, man, I'm getting a ball player and <laughs> all that good stuff. But that isn't what my wife was about. She, she has proved that over and over and over because uh, she has stuck behind me as I've gone through three kidney transplants. I take an IV once a month. I take about 40 pills a day. It's just uh, I sleep with a breathing machine every night. And her being a nurse uh, has been um, just extremely valuable. But more than a nurse, she's, just, she's been the, the wind beneath my wings and, and the rock of my life. That's something else. I mean, you talk about the battles fought and the adversity conquered, but the importance of your wife next to you helping you out and certainly a Bob Welch curveball can be difficult or a Dave Stewart changeup. But what you had to face in terms of the kidney transplants and the different medical ailments off the field after your career, um, that's special. And, and we salute you and just keep fighting because that, that's incredible. It really is. Keep, keep fighting, Ed. That's awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate that, Chris. I mean, it's just, it's just something that you have to do. Um, there were times that I contemplated quitting, but ultimately, uh, you just got to keep swinging. Keep getting that back in the batter's box, and when when uh, Dave Stewart or Mike Scott throws those nasty breaking pitches that start out of your head and break down across <laughs> the plate, you know it, it, sometimes you buckle and you bail out of there. It, but you got to dig in, get back in that batter's box, and you got to dig in. And life is the same way, without a doubt. And something that you started that was very special that has a, a baseball background to it is you started a charity called the bottom of the ninth foundation. Tell us the meaning of that name and the mission of the charity. You betcha. The bottom of the ninth, I started in, in so I think we started in 1989 and, uh, got our, our IRS paperwork in 1990, I think. But the bottom of the ninth, um, I, I just feel like our country slipped so far in the character department. Uh, the moral values of this country continue to slip on a slippery slope. And I've, people from newscasters to, to teachers and professors, some, some say we're on a slippery slope, some say we're on a cliff. And I say, why not use a term that from, from baseball's, from America's game, baseball, why not use a term from baseball? It's the bottom of the ninth. 
And I truly believe for our country, uh, we're facing the bottom of the night. And the bottom of the night in baseball doesn't happen unless the good guys, the white hats, are tied or behind. And right now, I believe that we're facing that bottom of the ninth, and we really have to turn this thing around. And you have a lineup card when you go on the foundation's website, which I thought was so cool. You have a lineup card that kind of signifies what the foundation's about. It lists attributes such as the good guys, like integrity and respect versus the bad guys, such as deceit and apathy. Tell us how your team at the charity developed that blueprint of the lineup card for your foundation. Well, uh, the, the lineup cards were kind of an idea in my mind that, that I had would, would be a good way to, to show the, the contrast between what, what, is, what, what is right and what was right about America. And then on the other side of the, the lineup card is what's wrong with America and the kind of things that are going, going you know, we need to change. And uh, it began with the, with the lineup on, on the good side. And we began to to go through all these words, initiative, enthusiasm, gratitude. And it went well past nine, the starting lineup. I mean, it was just huge, the list of positive attributes and character traits. So so what we actually did, the, to be straightforward with you, Chris, is we went to the other side. And we made the, the lineup of the, of the bad guys first. And okay. then we, we looked at the good guys and we kind of went like you see in, in the leadoff spot uh, is deceit. Well, leadoff is that's the pitcher and he's deceit. Okay. Our, pitcher is in it, our pitcher is initiative. Uh, catcher is apathy. Well, a catcher can be anything but apathetic. <laughs> our catcher from the good guys is enthusiasm. So they kind of bounce off each other. The third hitter at first base for the bad guys is greed. On our side, it's gratitude. So uh, that's just how we kind of label. There's just plenty of guys that are sitting on the bench that could, could fill in for either one, either one of these teams. But we felt those those nine were just solid uh, a representation of, of what it's like out there in America today. It's great. And with the drawing of the diamond, you also not only include those attributes, but something that you discuss with the foundation is that character is the rock of your foundation, which it's built upon. Now you have four main pillars, or we're going to go back to the baseball analogy, four bases that revolve around the different events. Can you tell us about each base and each pillar and what events are involved? Well, what we do, uh, in, in the, the bottom ninth is is we find and provide uh, resources that are uniquely qualified role models or mentors, and we provide them to organizations that can't necessarily ref, uh, uh, afford uh, somebody like myself or a Ross Bernstein or a, uh, Steve Garvey. Uh, not organizations. There's a lot of organizations out there that just don't have the funding. So we try to provide not only individuals and role models, but other personal motivational and character-driven materials to those organizations. Now we have we have four project areas, as you mentioned, the basis. Uh, on first base is youth with character. And that's, that's a, a, a place where uh, anything we do with character falls under first base. Anything that has to do with youth falls under first base category, youth with character. 
Second base is the character to conquer, and that's for chronically ill, terminally ill patients, their families, and those who care for them. Third base is the character of the great outdoors, and that evolved out of just a passion that myself and my son have enjoyed together, uh, hunting and fishing, and just being in the outdoors. And so we take uh, we take young people and older people, veterans as well, out into the outdoors, whether it's a camping experience, a fishing, hunting, hunting expedition, uh, just getting people outdoors. And for the kids, it's getting them off this digital, all the digital stuff that the, we don't take uh, computers and 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 smartphones in, on Bob and Ninth uh, Character to Great Outdoor Trip. <laughs> you leave that at the door okay. so and you know sometimes we've had adults you know f- parents go along on trip and 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 on the way home they're like you know this is the first time i've, I've been without a computer or smartphone for for 24 hours and i can't remember how long <laughs> so, so you know I mean, it's, it's good for the adults as well as uh, the kids and then home plate is is kind of the center of, of the whole foundation of our nonprofit. It's the character of faith. And that's basically where, uh, where we share our faith in God, the Christian portion of, uh, which underlies the whole organization. Um, you know, you you can call it character in a secular version, or you can call it faith, but uh, that's the rock. It's at home plate for a reason. And if you notice on the, the, uh, the baseball diamond, we have, Along the base paths, we have four groups of people. Uh, from home plate to first base is family. Second base to third, first base to second base is role models. Second base to third base is community. And third base to home is teachers. And those, those are people that can, they're influential in our lives as we're growing up. And another thing that I'd love to point out, and I think it's very important, uh, and it's kind of uh, it's kind of a, a look behind the scenes when you look at the first base, third base coach is faith and hope, and the head coach is love. You got so the good it. book says the greatest of these is love, so he's the manager. But you got a great team there. You you, you got yeah. a ch- you got a championship team, not only on the field. But something we always talk about here at Foundations of Sports, are you being a, a champion off the field? How are you helping others? And you have a great team there, Ed. Well, exactly. Yeah. I think it's it's a team that we gotta we gotta we we gotta build up right now in our in our culture. And we've got to do everything we can can to get the character back, uh, the foundation that this great country is founded on. Character is so important. It's such a simple word, but it defines so many things. and, And certainly the characteristics and the traits that you listed there it's the foundation of doing the right thing and, and being there for others. And you spoke about someone with the character of the great outdoors. You spoke about your son, Cody, and he defines all these characteristics. Tell us about the impact he's had on you. Well, I think uh, kids are defining uh, our ultimate uh, uh, calling in life. Uh, and uh, Cody, Cody has been uh, a real joy, uh, but you take him around the bases. He's been, we've raised him in all of those 
to all those bases as a young person. And then at second base, the character to conquer, he, he was diagnosed with cancer at age 17 and battled for two years to fight that. At third base, he loves the outdoors. We've been in the outdoors and at home plate. He's, he's got a good foundation of faith. So Cody's, Cody's lived our foundation all the way around the bases. Uh, he's a reflective, he's reflective of you and your wife and your family. And, uh, just like yourself, we, we wish him certainly, uh, continued health and success. Uh, it's very special. Thank Thank you. One of your phrases, and this is applied on the baseball diamond, your foundation and, and in your speeches is think outside of self from a baseball yep. perspective. How can that be applied to be a better teammate? Well, I think it's, um, I think it's the ultimate, uh, the ultimate soft skill uh, for a baseball player or for us in life. Uh, as a baseball player, uh, you have to think outside itself. It takes a team to to be, uh, you know, a solid winning team and to do it for a long time. Uh, I think we have a terrible problem today with with I I me me culture. Everything's look at me, look at me, you know, and, and we need to get out of that instead of thinking outside the box or something much more important. We need to think outside, think outside ourselves, because through, through doing that, uh, it gives you a great perspective on life, too. Uh, if, you, if you go out there and do something for somebody else, uh, this less fortunate you are, and it just changes the lens through which you're able to view life. Uh, I, I just believe that, uh, uh, the perseverance and perspective are huge words in both life and baseball, you know, in, in baseball, we kind of get tired of hearing it maybe, but you're successful only one out of three times. You fail seven out of 10 times in baseball. It's tough. Uh, I think, uh, thinking outside yourself is, is a, uh, very important tool uh, when it comes to uh, being a teammate off the field. So wouldn't, wouldn't our families be so much stronger if we thought outside of ourselves? Us as husbands, us as fathers, especially. Let's talk about us men. You know, it starts with us. Instead of thinking about I, I, me, me, and what, what do I, I need to make my life great, what about we thought about our wives and our children and put them first? Uh, you know, thinking outside the self is the foundation of servant leadership. Everybody talks about servant leadership. What is servant leadership? It's thinking outside the self. And you discuss, you were recently part of a, a new book that was released, Champions, 15 Inspiring Comeback Stories from Sports and Life. And just like you just recently spoke about, in that book, you talk about perspective and impacting others and being yeah. outside of yourself. And again, that's the, the background of your foundation. And it seems so simple. It's such a, a simple phrase, but can be right. applied in life and it can be applied in baseball. It, it makes so much sense. Yeah, absolutely. There's, um, you know, uh, you just, you learn to appreciate what you have before life teaches you what, what, what you did have. Uh, I mean, it, it's just a matter of all matter perspective. Um, uh, somebody once said, you don't, you don't know how good good is until you see how bad bad is. 
that's just a matter of perspective. And you, and you, you got to get a perspective. And the only way to get good perspective is to think outside yourself. And, and thinking outside yourself is something you had to do as a catcher. And we can hear the exactly. passion and things that you love that position. And what were some of the lessons from being a catcher that helped you during your career and now certainly after your, your baseball career? Yeah, you bet. Great question. Uh, uh, catcher is, is the ultimate position to me. And not only is it uh, you're, you're a leader on the field, I think it teaches you leadership. Uh, it te- definitely teaches you mental and physical toughness. Uh, I, I saw in your two-stitch blueprint the toughness is uh, is one of your main character traits there. Uh, you know, I think uh, what catcher also teaches is something called I call the platinum rule. I don't know if you ever heard of the platinum rule, but it's like it's kind of like the golden rule. The golden rule says to to do unto others as you would like them done unto yourself. The platinum rule takes it a step further, and it says do unto others as they would like to be done. Two. In other words, you have to get to know. It takes relationships to a whole new level. It's not just thinking about other people and how you would want to do it. You've got to get to know your person, the people you're doing things for, and want to get to know how they like to be treated. And a great example of that is you got if you have a pitching staff, as, as a catcher, you have a 10, 12-man pitching staff. You have to know how to motivate each one of those because they're all different individuals. Not only do you have to know their the physical makeup, what pitches they have, but you have to know their mental and emotional makeup. So during certain situations in the game, you can you can bring them to their best, their maximum performance. And you can only do that if you know how to use the platinum rule. Uh, well said. And in this book that you were part of that just got recently released... You talk about three aspects, and I think you just hit upon it, camaraderie, getting to know people, and communication, which seems like a lost art these days, where getting to know your teammate or your coworker or your, or your friend at a deeper level, and you hit upon that, is knowing your pitching staff. When you walk out to the mound in the eighth inning, do they need a pick-me-up? Do they need some maybe some words to get them motivated or more focused? Exactly. It's knowing the people, and I think that's so important in the parallels from being a catcher and playing baseball to now life, it's so important if you can apply those, you can be successful off the field and certainly impact others. Absolutely. Uh, it sounds like you were a catcher the way you just described that. I, I knowing, was. Knowing your pitcher. Oh, you are? Okay, yes. there you go. Yes. Yeah, all right. Could you, you sure, sure, sure understand the importance of knowing your pitcher? And uh, it's, just like, it's just like knowing your wife. Uh, you know, we 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 love we receive love in basically five different ways uh touch verbal um, gifts time you know and each each person re- receives love in one of those five different ways and you're different than I am. I'm different than my wife. My wife's different than me. And so if you don't know what, if I give my wife a bunch of gifts, that's not going to mean anything to her because it's what's most important to her is time, the time we spend together. And so it's the same way with me. I'm not, I'm not into verbal stuff. 
I, I, I want action. I want to see the action. That's the fifth one I forgot to mention. It's, it's action, helping me do things that I'm trying to do. So when when you know the other people, the other people you're involved with, whether it's on a team, whether it's at home as a family, or as a country, we need to get to know how other people feel. You talk about positive action. There, there's someone I'd like to, to bring up and, and uh, certainly get your thoughts on. Gary Carter, the kid. Yeah. What impact yeah, did he kid. have on you as a player and a person? And Gary Carter was a, was a Hall of Fame catcher uh, that I played with with the Mets in 1986. He played with Montreal before coming to the Mets. And uh, I backed him up in 1986. And uh, he had a tremendous career, obviously, being a Hall of Famer. But uh, Gary taught me uh, several things, uh, you know, about being a catcher. Uh, I think the most important thing he, the most important impact that he had on me as a player and a person was his enthusiasm for life, the enthusiasm for playing the game. He just, he just, he was out there. He's just loving every minute of it. He had a tremendous work ethic, uh, meaning that. It just wasn't go out there and play the game. You got to prepare to play the game. Uh, he had a tremendous tenacity. Uh, tenacity is another word that I I found in your blue stitch uh, blueprint. I think that's a great word because tenacity just sticking to it when times get tough. And in, and in the other areas that Gary had an impact on me was he was a great family man and a man of faith, and uh, that was a good. Uh, that was a a good model for me to to follow. Tenacity, enthusiasm, and and family person. I mean, he always had a smile on his face. I grew up watching him and one of my favorite players. And certainly he, you could tell that he was always playing the game a thousand percent. And I was also clued in to his pitchers and his teammates. He had a whole game in front of him and it just seemed like he was always focused, but always enjoyed every second. And, and that's important. And at the same time, he had that tenacity not to back down in game six of the World Series. He didn't give exactly. up. And he realized if I just got on base, I keep us alive. And then the next person gets up and gets on base. And yep. you just, instead of trying to win the game with one hit, doing the little things. And that's so yeah, important. Exactly. We talk, we talk about doing the little things too, and, and you have some speaking career going on here. Tell us, our audience, a little bit about uh, your time as a speaker. Well, I tell you, uh, it, it just started out um, not long after I had my first transplant. Uh, I was um, recovering from that, and uh, uh, former Chiefs player Dave Winston, a friend of mine, called me one day and said, Ed, can you come down to the rugby club tomorrow? And, and my speaker bailed on me and, and I got to get somebody to fill in. Can you come down there? I'm like, Dave, I'm not feeling good. Uh, you know, cause I really wasn't, yeah. <laughs> I was struggling. And, uh, but Dave was such a nice guy and, and, uh, one of those people you hate to say no to. So I, I thought, all right, I'll go do it. So I went down to the Rotary club. This is probably in 1992, uh, or 92 or three, 1993. And uh, I I spoke for 20 minutes there at the Rotary Club. I didn't really have a lot of speaking experience, but uh, uh, apparently I did a pretty good job. Everybody was saying, hey, how much they enjoyed it, et cetera. And, and one person in particular who was the president of that Rotary Club 
came up to me, handed his business card, and he said, Ed, you got a great story for old Jockey Shotwell, and Corp America pays people like you to to inspire, encourage, and uplift their their people. And I took his business card and I said, thank you very much. I, I appreciate saying that. I don't think the timing's right right now. And so, um, but I, I kept that in my, my back pocket, uh, his business card, the thought about sharing my life and the, and the nuggets that I've learned as I've gone along. And uh, six months later, I called him back and said, you know, um, I'm interested. Uh, this might be a, the light at the end of the tunnel, it's not another train coming. And sure enough, uh, he started putting me out there and, and it just snowballed. Uh, and it's, I tell you, uh, Chris, it, it really, it was a savior to me uh, because uh, when I heard that first transplant, the transplant medications you have to take have a lot of side effects and they, they impact every person differently. And one of the ones that I got was mood swings and depression. And so I was really battling my own my own thinking processes. But once I began to speak, it, it was it was the ultimate thinking outside the self. And and you see yourself making a difference in other people's lives, it became the best medicine I could take. Well, we also want to recognize not only did you take speaking and and you took it like catching and you worked at it and you used those skills such as Gary Carter with tenacity and enthusiasm, but you accomplished something great. Not, not only are you impacting people and there's so many stories of, of individuals coming up to you after speeches or writing you a letter saying how profoundly the information and the things that you were talking about certainly impacted them, but you were, you achieved the CSP designation from the national Speaker Association. And the first thing we want to do is say congratulations, because that is not easy at all. So that is some accomplishment. Tell us, what was the hard work required to get that (laughs) designation? Okay. Well, I think the the hardest work about it was the paperwork. (laughs) 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 You know, uh, it's it's an earned designation. Uh, that, that is the only important designation for the National Speakers Association. And I, uh, I really, I was doing all the things that were necessary to to re- receive that designation. It's just a matter of, of keeping track of it all. So when you submit it, they 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 look through it all and you get, then they give you that designation if you've achieved all that they require you to achieve. The, the cool thing about it was I was the first and only uh, back in 2001, I earned that uh, designation. I was the first and only uh, earned or former professional athlete to have received that designation. So that was a real honor. Uh, there's there's a couple guys that received lately that moved, I think one of the football players and a basketball player, but uh, it's a really neat uh, honor. Only, only, I think, 8% of the speakers in the world are, are honored enough to have that uh, CSP. So it was really really a neat, neat thing to have. Congratulations. It's uh, quite you, an accomplishment. Yeah. It really is. And uh, as we finish up today, 
I want to use the analogy of the bottom of the ninth because it's a baseball analogy and I really enjoy it. And and we're up to plate and I got some questions for you. And right now, John Tudor is trying to pitch a complete game, but he just put a fastball in your wheelhouse right now to, to hit that into the gap and put the Mets ahead. So All right. if you were starting an expansion team, which one player, active or retired, who demonstrates character and teamwork on and off the field would you pick to be your captain? That's a great question. Um, you know, I think uh, when I watch a game of baseball or any sport, uh, it's hard for me to cheer for people unless they're good good guys. You know, I, I'm just not a good fan, I guess. Uh, and I, I like to know that people are good guys before I cheer for them. And thinking of that question, I, I guess you know, this includes – Retired guys as well, I would assume. Retired and, uh, and passed away as well. Yeah. Could be anyone. Yeah, I'll, I'll take you. I'll take you through. Let me see the list of guys. That I'll, I'll give you four or five guys here uh, from the old timers. Lou Gehrig. Lou Gehrig was so impressive to me. Uh, anytime you can do what you do in New York, what he did, and uh, and also battling the disease like he did, he's true champion. Lou Gehrig would be a perfect guy. Uh, a little bit more current, but him, uh, but still a Hall of Famer. I would pick uh, Harmon Killebrew. Uh, now we, we, we remember him as a home run hitter, and and but he was just a tremendous foundation of the Minnesota Twins uh, organization. But but his. His legacy of class, dignity, and humility is, was just awesome. And he's a Hall of Famer and it, as a husband, father, friend, and teammate, and, and just a man in general. Um, a couple other guys that I think would be would be good captains or somebody to start to build a team around would be, I, I like Jer- Jeter. Uh, Jeter held up his whole career as a Yankee. And it's it, people just may not understand the pressure of playing in New York and all the possible things you can get involved with there. But Derek handled himself extremely well. And one of the reasons I would pick Derek is because I know that his family also helped build a good foundation under him. As a youngster, I read a book by Derek Jeter. It was about his upbringing. And I was very impressed by the way his parents helped build a solid foundation in his life as well, as, as like my parents did for me. More current, I would say Albert Pujols. What a, what a ball player and uh, a tremendous man of faith. And I don't I think he's as squeaky clean as they come. Um, and I guess the, the younger of the younger guys today in baseball, uh, I don't know him personally. But from what I uh, have, what I've heard, Mike Trout is a true ambassador for the game, and and he still remembers where he com- comes from. And he's just an awesome, awesomely talented athlete as well. So those those are some of the guys there. If I had to pick one guy of those right there, um, 
I don't, I don't think I could. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. That's, that's a, <laughs> I, that's a pretty good starting lineup there. It, it, it is. You, it, it is. Did you, did you notice Chris, there's no pictures in there? I just noticed that. Yeah. I don't I like pictures. <laughs> Especially that, opposing pictures. <laughs> that's a whole other podcast for another day, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. There you go. the, uh, the five players you listed certainly, uh, are going to put your team, uh, on the right path, similar to what the, uh, Las Vegas Knights are doing in the NHL right now. I think your expansion team, Certainly is going to be playing well into October, if not November, with those guys. No, I, I think they uh, would. I think they really would. It really is. And I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Any sports event that you'd like to attend that you haven't been to in any location, who is playing and who are you tailgating with before the game? I think it would be a baseball game. It would be, it would be the 27 Yankees versus the 19. 19- 70s Cincinnati Reds. That's a team there. Yes, that that that's certainly uh. You have a lot of hitters on both teams there. That would be a nice World Series to watch. Um, who would I take? Three people. Well, you know the three people that have have most impacted my life um, are my wife, my mom, and my dad. And uh, I think, I mean, I think that's what you're saying is who, who impacted your life the most. Absolutely. And, and and that's who that would be. If I had to pick somebody outside them, you know, to sit down and have a cup of coffee with or go to a game with, I think George W. Bush would be somebody that I would like to uh, sit down with. Um, you know, you hear so much fake news today and it's hard to know really what kind of person he is, but I have a I have an inkling he's a very solid guy, and I would just like to know that personally to be a fact, so I could cheer for George W. Bush. Well, certainly a, a good group of people, you know, all all around, and um, I just think that game between the Yankees and Reds, I, I think the '86 Mets might be involved in that too. If we could do a four-team tournament, we could add the '86 uh, nice. Mets and uh, a four-team. Uh, I don't know. How about for Ross Bernstein? We had one of the Twins World Series teams and do like a four-team tournament. Uh, that would go. that, uh, that would be nice. Um, yeah. Ed, what what are your goals for the future? My goals for the future are um, are to continue just to continue uh, to continue to build upon uh, the back part of my book, Baseball Battles and Beyond, uh, the Beyond part of my book to come back to continue. Uh, trying to influence and make a positive difference in the lives of people as many as I can. And, uh, I, I think that's, that's what my life is about today. Um, that's how I measure, uh, not, not only su- su- success, but something more important in life is significance. And my goal is to be significant in life and, and do it better and better each day. What would you like to leave our audience with today, Ed? Well, I think uh, I think one of the, the most important messages that I said earlier in our conversation here that that um, 
two things. Folks, it's the bottom of the length in America. We got to step up to the plate and we got to turn this thing around. The character and moral values of our country are, are just being depleted so fast. We got to step up to the plate together and turn this battle around. And the second thing that I would say is for people to just keep swinging. Life is challenging. And, you know, like I said, if you're not facing any curves, you're playing T-ball. But <laughs> uh, you got to stay, you got to get back in the baddest box of life and you got to keep swinging. Well said. And if our audience wants to find you about your speaking engagements, about your books, and about the Bottom of the Ninth Foundation, where can we find you? You bet. Uh, uh, I have a website, which is currently under construction, but it's www.edhearn.com. And then the uh, foundation has a website, bottom of the nine, the number nine, th.org, bottom of the ninth.org. And I'm going to leave you with one of your quotes on the champions book, page 115. And it says from you, it's the lives you impact along the way that is most important. And I just want to thank you for what you're doing for the people all around you, for your family and the impact that you have not only on the baseball field, but beyond. And we just want to say, stay strong, stay healthy to you and your family. Thank you for what you do and best to you and your family. Hey, the same back to you, Chris. You're doing some great things, man. Keep swinging for the fences, buddy. Thank you very much. From his journey to the major leagues, to his battle with health issues, and now his work off the field, Ed is a true champion. And his motto, keep swinging, is a testament to his perseverance, while think outside of self is representative of his leadership. His discussion of the bottom of the ninth foundation and his focus on character defines all the positive aspects of sports. Being a catcher in baseball, just like a goalie in hockey, lacrosse, soccer, teaches you so many life lessons. As Ed stated, you learn leadership, mental and physical toughness, and getting to know people around you through camaraderie and communication. We thank him for coming on the show. And thank you for listening to Foundations of Sports. If you enjoyed the episode, share with a family member, friend, teammate, coworker, subscribe for future episodes, and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. We greatly appreciate your time and support. And for more information on us, please visit foundationsofsports.com. Twitter at Foundation Sport and Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook at Foundations of Sports. We will see you next week. And as always, best to you and your families. Mm-hmm.